listening to this prayer, you're going to realize that it, this prayer would be perfect if somebody in America would pray something like this. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 9, in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king of the realms of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant to mer and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto the servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day. To the men of Judah and the, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all the <clears throat> all Israel that are near and that are far, far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he has set before us by his servants the prophets. Yea, all Israel have trans has transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us. And the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spanked against us, and against our judges that judged us. By bringing upon us a great evil from the whole heaven hath not been done, as hath been done upon Jerusalem, as it is written. In the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet make we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he doeth. For we obey not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and has gotten renowned as at, as at this day we have sinned. We have done wickedly, O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our father, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplication, and cause thy face to shine upon the sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations in the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, before thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God. For thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Daniel, you know, he he really he really was seeking the Lord right here. Okay? He's praying for the his people. He said he was searching the books, he's searching the Bible, looking at the writings of Jeremiah, trying to, and, and, and he, he's praying, you know, uh, according to the will of God, okay, and this is the kind of things that happens here, in, and we're going to look in Daniel chapter 10, when you pray accordingly to the word of God, 
And look at here on uh, verse 3 right here. He says, And I've set my face unto the Lord, okay, to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. What's it mean to set my face? Does it, it mean just to kind of look up into the heaven? You know? Well, let's look at uh, Daniel chapter 10 real quick and, you know, see what that kind of means. Daniel chapter 10, I'll just read uh, a little bit here. Um, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, he didn't shower or anything, till three whole weeks. And in the fourth and twentieth day of the first month, as I was at the side of the great river, which is Hittichel, then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of euphaz. His body was also like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as the lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet of the color of polished brass, and the voice of his words were like the voice of multitudes. And so what basically happens next is, you know, this is what he, he, he sees as he's praying, and Daniel's praying for three full weeks. He's just fasting. He's, he's so in tune with trying to get a hold of God, and he, he, didn't, he didn't eat for three weeks. So this, is, this kind of shows what kind of fasting really is. It's not like saying to yourself, I'm not going to eat for five days. Like, why would you do that? You don't eat for like five days because you're so in tune with your you're trying to contact God or pray to God or you're just you're busy. You don't want to eat. You want to talk to God. And you know, when we get like that with worldly things, we, we go on hours without eating eating because you know we're doing something else, you know, that, that entertains us. Well, you know, right here, Daniel's showing us that it's able to do that with God. You're able to do that with God. And and it just shows us where our heart's at. Okay, now there was an earthquake here, some people ran away, and the vision of this guy that Daniel sees, you know, it kind of knocks him out. He says that he was on his face dumb, and uh, it, it, just the glory of this being just kind of knocks him on his face. And, and, and he's like, how can I even talk to you like this because I'm just weak? So the angel strengthens him, and now look at verse 12, okay? The angel strengthens him, and he stands up, and the angel says, Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel. For the first, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I have come for thy words. Okay, so here I can kind of relate this back in Daniel chapter 9 when he says he has set his face. I think it means Daniel set his heart. Okay, and Daniel had set his heart to seek the Lord. And that's what I want to talk to you guys tonight is setting the heart. We need to be setting our hearts on God. Our desires need to be on God. And our desires need to be God's desires. Okay, we need to set our heart. You know, I read the Bible and I read about, I read about men like Enoch. The Bible says that he walked with God. He walked with so close. In Hebrews, the Bible says that by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. I mean, this man had the spiritual fitness. Uh, I, I mean, uh, who knows? This guy who just walked with God constantly to the point where God just, you just took him. Now, where's your heart at today? What if God wanted to take you today? Would you want to go, leave your family, leave your house, leave your stuff? You know, I ask myself that. I say, I love God. I want to go to heaven too. I want to be with God too. But am I ready to go right now? I mean, imagine what Enoch's family was going through. Where's Enoch? Where'd he go? You know? He, I mean, like, Enoch didn't care. He just wanted to be with the Lord. Where's your heart at? Is it, is it, is it like that? Moses and all the things that he did. I mean, we can talk all day about the things that Moses did. Hebrews says, by faith, Moses, when he had come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
choosing to rather suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure of Egypt. You know, it, Moses set his heart on God, and you know he he was known as a friend to God. God spoke to him face to face, like he like man like a man would speak to you, and you know that. Awesome to have. You know? <clears throat> By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By faith, Abraham, when he was called out, out into a place where he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. These people in the Bible that we read are men of a different sort. And, you know, I, you know, what troubles me is the Bible talks about that, that these things are written down for us unto, the, unto who the ends have come to, okay? Since Christ has died, we have been living in the end times. And so we look at things like this, men of God like this, and it's an example of what we're supposed to be like. <clears throat> you know, and, it's, it's possible. It's not just Old Testament stuff. You know, it only takes one man to set their heart on God. And God is going to see that. <clears throat> you set your heart on God. We, this is a conscious decision that we have to make. Okay? This isn't something that's just going to grow on you. Alright? Ezra 7.10 for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgment. You know, I read this, you know, for Sam had prepared his heart to seek the Lord. We need to read it like that. For James had prepared his heart to seek the Lord. Brother Lord, we prepared our hearts to seek the Lord. We need to do that. Otherwise, you know, what are we doing here? You know, coming to church is somewhere where we, we come together. The Bible says it's for uh, the, the perfection of the saints. It's for the, the working in God's ministry and uh, edification. I've never read in the Bible where coming to church is... Uh, is for specifically you to feel good about yourself, okay? And I'm sorry, but that's just the plain truth. You know, we come to church to learn the Word of God, and like Brother uh, Robert Creech said, it's literally the only reason why we even exist is to go out and tell people about Jesus. You know, a lot of the world thinks you know that they just they're just here they they're trying to find a reason to exist but i'm telling you man the bible says that this is why we're here For ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the lord we need to stand up against ourselves and say i'm going to be a man of the word i'm going to pick up this word i'm going to read it and i'm going to do on everything that i read that's what we need to do. We need to stand against the cell and say, I don't care who, got, who doesn't pray, I'm going to pray. I don't care who doesn't read their Bible, I'm going to read my Bible. I don't want nothing to do with this world. This has to be a conscious decision. And, you know, we can't stop at just becoming a member of the church. Okay? Brother Cristobal didn't stop at making one book. He made 250,000 books. Then he didn't stop with that. We cannot stop. We keep going. We don't just settle with being a church member or or whatever our role is in the church. We continue to come. You have to have a vision. You know when when the Lord came to King Ahaz, that wicked king, and and he said, uh, uh, "Let me see. Do I have it written down here?" No. But when, when, when the Lord came to King Ahaz and was like, hey, uh, ask me a sign in heaven. Ask me a sign below in the depths. 
ask me a sign, something, ask me something. And Ahaz was like, not so. I will not tempt the Lord thy God. And, you know, you know, a lot of people think that that's probably the right thing to do, but there's a difference between tempting the Lord and proving him. Okay, God wants us to prove him. And you know, King Ahaz didn't have a vision. He had no nothing for God. He wanted to uh, con uh, continue to do exactly the opposite of what God wants and ally with Assyria. And so that just shows his rebellions of not wanting to trust the Lord. You know, and uh, and I, 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 don't, I mean, at least Solomon asked for wisdom. I mean, <clears throat> it takes one man to set their heart on God. You know, where where are the where are the where are the John the Baptist these days? You know, where's the Pauls? It you know. If you want to put it secular, where's the Michael Jordans of the Christian and Christians? You know? It could be any one of us. It doesn't matter how old you are, or how young you are, how strong you are. It's about having your whole heart on the Lord. And you'll see that. He's going to search the churches. He's going to look for somebody that's saturated with his word, who has their heart on him, Waiting to do something, God will use you. He will. You give God no choice but to use you. He will. And how do you do that? By reading this word. Let the word consume your mind. It's truth, guys. It's not manipulative like some people think. Like, what's the Bible manipulating you to do? Nothing. Right? It's not making me be a good person. It doesn't teach that. <clears throat> it teaches to do good things, of course, we should all do good things, but it doesn't teach, you know, it's not manipulating. That's ridiculous. <clears throat> oh, I did write that down, okay. You know, like, where, like I said, where are the John the Baptist and the Pauls? Well, let me give you one, I, I, want, I, want, I don't want to say modern day, because this was a long time ago, but let me give you one person who who's not in the Bible, but I think that actually had a vision for God, set his heart on God to do, like Ezra said, he had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, okay? His name is William Tyndale. I'm sure some of you know who he is. William Tyndale is the reason why you have an English Bible. He's the one who, who dedicated himself to translating it you know, from uh, Latin into English, and he did. You know, he. Uh, I read his uh, his his last hours. His last hours. He begged for an Old Testament Hebrew Bible and a dictionary to translate into English. Okay. Tyndale's last words before being strangled and burned at the stake in 1536 were. Oh Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And he did. We have the King James Version Bible today. And that's how I know that he was doing something that was God's will because God made it happen. You know, we needed that. That was something that we needed in English. You know, we were being deceived by the Catholic Church. And God used somebody like William Tyndale, who had his heart set on him, to, uh, to bring that truth to us. You know, and he died for that. So, that was a great thing he did. What kind of vision can you guys come up with for the Lord? You know, I'd say that uh, one of the biggest prayers that Christians need to pray is, uh, Lord, teach us to pray again. Pray, you know, we need to pray like like Daniel here. If I could sum up my sermon, just a few verses. Okay. Let's go to Psalm 27. Guys. Psalm 27. If I could sum up my entire sermon in a few verses, because you know God, who wrote the Bible. Not only 
only is it God's word, it's great literature. Like the Bible is, is the best book ever written for a reason. Um, when you read the Quran and stuff, it's just garbage compared to what the Bible says. <clears throat> Psalm 27, verse seven. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Amen. Amen. My heart said, Lord, thy face will I seek. And, you know, why, why should we seek the Lord's face? Why, why? You know, why should we set our heart on God instead of other stuff? You know? Well, let's jump up to verse 4 right here. Daniel gives a his reason why. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. That's all I got for you guys. Thank you. good to be with you all this evening. Uh, it's a nice change of pace for our day to come up and, and be with you all this evening. Um, the church sends their greetings and their love. Um, and I wish that they could have been here with us today to visit. So, um, But nonetheless, um, if you will turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. In verse 23 is where we'll start this evening. One of the things I would like for us to just to think on and contemplate is, um, just like we were talking about a few minutes ago, is what are we doing? What are we doing with our service to God? Matthew chapter twenty-three, uh, six, verse twenty-three. There says, "But if thine eye be evil, and thy whole body shall be full of darkness, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other." Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life of what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor of yet for your body what you shall put on. Is it not life more than meat or body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto your stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toll not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today, uh, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all of these things do the Gentiles see. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have all need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Well, the question that the scripture seems to pose here is that what, what we worry about, what are we concerned with? He talks about worrying about the things we put on or the food that we put in our mouth or the clothing we put on. He said the creation that he made there, the fowls of the air, the lilies, they, they don't worry about those things. The Lord provides for them. In due season, he brings forth seed and fruit for them to eat. He provides rain and nutrients in the soil. 
for the flowers to live. How much more so is it that we as servants of God should be? We talk about relying upon the Lord. He provides those things which we need. What is our duty? Our duty is to wait upon the Lord. What is waiting upon the Lord? What are we supposed to do? We're called to do His work. We're called to share His word, study His word, and live the life that He would have us to. That is God's provision for us to lean upon Him and to look to Him for all of our knowledge and wisdom. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Verses 18 through 20 there of chapter 28 of Matthew. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This was a very simple statement for his disciples to follow. One that is still to be followed to present day until the end of the age when he returns. What did he say there? Very simply, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. What is our duty? Our duty is summed up in this short passage here. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Can we do that in these four walls? Can we? Can the church do that in four walls wherever they are? Not, not just in, in that. We're commissioned to do a work. Encouraging one another is part of that work so that we go out into the world and we proclaim Jesus and his life and his testimony. That is the commission which we are charged with fulfilling. The concern this day and age is the church is dying. Numbers are dwindling. Where's our... Where's our thoughts at? Where's our heart at? Our mind at? You think the disciples at that point were wondering, well, who's going to show up with us today? They were ready to do the Lord's work. They were ready to encourage one another. They were ready to die for it. Do we have that same fervor spiritually? Out of the mouth of Jesus was this for his disciples to go to the nations and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was the charge given to us. Are we truly living that life? Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, a fairly lengthy reading here, so bear with me. Says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The church back home in Pueblo gets gets to hear me talk about this quite often. When you talk about giving a sacrifice, and I consider myself to be no expert on Old Testament sacrificial offerings, but what I do understand is that when an offering was presented at the altar, it was gone over, for lack of a better word, with a fine-tooth comb. It was to be spot without spot and without blemish. And if it wasn't, That was held to their account. Especially in the sacrifice for remission of sin. That offering each year was to roll forward a covering for their sins to the next year. 
So how important that was. And how much more important the illustration of Jesus' sacrificial blood for us that we might have an opportunity to serve God in Him. So it's all the more important for us to be mindful of our service to God. He says that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Ask ourselves this question. Is our service acceptable to God? The scripture encourages us to examine our lives. I use the term often at home as well. Reconcile. Reconciling to God. Is it matching up? When you talk with your accountant and you, comp- and you tally up your finances for the year to file your taxes to the, to the federal government, what do you do? It has to reconcile. It has to match up, doesn't it? Or else you get audited or you have to pay in to the government. How much more so is it important that we reconcile our lives with the Lord? That is the true determination of reconciliation. And as our commitment to be changed into the likeness of Christ as the scripture commands of us, that reconciling is an ongoing process that we look at, we pray about, and we be concerned with. How else can we give an account to others of, our, of the work that the Lord has done in our lives? And allowing Him to work through us. Talking about witnessing to others. Spending time. That's what the Lord commissions us to do. How else do we learn that? We study the scripture. We encourage one another when we're having difficult times. Read on there down through verse 3. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, So we being many are one body in Christ and every one member one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to our proportion of faith, or ministry, let us weigh it on on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, and he that giveth to him to do with it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation. Arbor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope and patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessities of the saints and given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil and provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible as much as life within you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy is hungry, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. These very things that we just read are part of our faith. We are the body of Christ members one of another realizing that we don't all hold the same function but we do support one another back home we talk about supporting one another whether that be through a word or an act that we sometimes fulfill helping someone move something or just being there for somebody during a difficult time even in the good times But that support for one another is so important. 
I always talk about this too. If I'm not there to support my brother or sister in Christ, or support those that we want to show the goodness of the Lord, how can we support them if we're not there? How can we do the work if we're not there? It can happen. The Lord needs us to do our part when we commit to serving Him. We are His hands and His feet in this world. We ought to be about the Lord's business. When you have a building that's built and you remove a board, what happens? The structure becomes weaker, doesn't it? all the more important for us to support one another because if we remove that support the building becomes weaker. When somebody has a great deal of difficulty and something say for instance I'm not there and something bad happens. I feel guilty for that because I feel like I should be there to support my brothers and sisters in Christ or someone going through a a terribly difficult time that's not in the church, that gives us an opportunity to show Jesus to them. Especially our enemies. Because they need Jesus just as much as we do. As a matter of fact, they need it even more so than we do. Because then they can see what the goodness of the Lord is. He goes on there at the very end and he says, he says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink, for in doing so thou shalt heap burning coals upon his head. Stop there for just a minute. Our commission is to feed these people, take care of them, provide an opportunity for them to see that the Lord is so good and He is just and He is righteous. And that there's something more to life than just the world and, and the way it is. That there's a life to come that the Lord would have us to partake of with him. What does he ask in return? To do his work. To support one another. To strengthen one another. To encourage one another. Let's look at Acts chapter chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 and verse 2. He says, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them lewd fellows of a baser sort, gathered a company, and set the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These have turned the world upside down and are come hither also. Whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city, and when they had heard these things, and when they had taken security of Jason... And of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, and who come thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica and in 
in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Therefore many of them believed and also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge of the word of God was preached to Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren <clears throat> sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him to Athens and received a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed. They departed. So the account here is that Paul was traveling on his missionary journey. The second one, if I'm not mistaken. And he came into the region of Thessalonica. And what did he do? As was custom, he went and preached the word of God. There in the synagogue. It's typically the first place to go. He didn't go check it at the hotel. He didn't go to Walmart and buy groceries. He went straight to the synagogue and he preached. Priorities, y'all. Arkansas is coming out, sorry. What are our priorities? Paul very clearly went and did first the work of the Lord. And what happened? There was a dispute. Some of these Jews didn't like what Paul said. But I find that most interesting there, he says, opening a legend, Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead and that Jesus whom I preached unto you is Christ. And he goes on and says, there wasn't a small number of people either. He said it was a great multitude, devout Greeks. He says, chief women of not a few. So these were pretty prominent people. There was a, a pretty good group there. He says, but those that were not were moved with envy. Envy. They didn't like the position there. So they went and they gathered up a, a posse of people to go and run this man out and the group that come to teach Jesus to him. He says, they went and assaulted the house of Jason and pulled him out and says, all right, we're going to take these before the ruler and we're going to have them judged is what, it's, you know, what they wanted. They wanted them, we call that running them out on a rail. He says, they teach this, this King Jesus who is contrary to Caesar. You see, Roman custom was is that you don't disturb the Pax Romana. You don't disturb the peace of Rome. Because if you go against the peace of Rome, you're going against Caesar. You disturb him. If you disturb this peace, you're disturbing the rule of Caesar. So he says there, they were trying to get them hushed up and taken care of. He says, they troubled the people and the rulers of the city. And when they heard these things, and when they had taken security of Jason and of others, they let them go. So they said, you got to get out of here. But they didn't stay gone long, did they? They went right down the road and preached and teached what, 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 what were they supposed to do? Preach Jesus. And he said there, these people in Berea received this. He says, they immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night to Berea and come thither and went into the synagogue of the Jews. First thing he went, went right to the synagogue. He says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and they received the word with all readiness to find and search the scriptures daily. I think the one thing that we can take out of this account in Acts of Paul and throughout the epistles that we read later on is that Paul wasn't scared to, to speak the, the name of the Lord and to speak what, what it is that is required of service to God. What is that that we can take from that? What do we do with it? I don't know about y'all, but as I get older, that filter comes off just a little bit more when I talk about the Lord. That hesitancy to say, I don't know that if I'm going to stir somebody up, I don't want to upset anybody. But the commission is, is that we not worry about that. 
What does he instruct us to do? He tells us to be humble. To present it with humility. Why do you think that's the case? Because if we go with a puffed up mentality, being lifted up in our own eyes, can we reach people with Jesus? No. That's not the, that's not the, the teachings of Jesus. But Paul went in and he taught these things in the place that they were hardest to reach. These Jewish brethren were esteemed in the law. And like most law today, there was a very strict and rigid interpretation. But yet Paul came and preached Jesus to them and that he had brought about a better way and preached it more thoroughly to them. Looking back over in that verse there, he says, opening and alleging that Christ must needs having suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. I don't know about y'all, but if I was offering a sacrifice in the temple for my service to God and Jesus come through and demonstrated exactly what God wanted him to and showed me a better way, I would hope that I would run after him. Are we running after Jesus? Are we showing others that running after Jesus is what we need in our life? That all of the troubles of this world are temporary. That Jesus, like he said over in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, seeking the kingdom and his righteousness and all those things will be added to us. Not saying it's going to provide us with a nice car and a nice house, but he's going to provide everything that the Lord needs to take care of us. He just requires that we seek him first. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and then we'll come to a close. First Peter chapter 3. Verse 10 of chapter 3 there in 1 Peter. It says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if, if you believe followers of that which is good? And if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins that just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit by which we also went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark is preparing and wherein with a few souls that his eight souls were saved by water. The like wherein too even baptism doth now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who has gone into heaven is on the right hand of God and angels and authorities and powers are being made subject unto him. So, what, what's the encouragement here? What's the exhortation that we need to receive? He goes on there and he says, what? For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. We read earlier, we can't serve two masters. Or he'll hate one and love the other. The question I always ask is, who do we serve? We serve ourselves or we serve the living God. We serve 
We've made a commitment to serve the living God. In whom no evil can dwell. That's what the scripture points out here. So, when we get frustrated in traffic or we get upset with our family or upset with the persons that we attend church services with, what do we do? We put it in the Lord's hands. And He will never fail us nor forsake us. But He says there, Verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. With humility and fear. That's what that word meekness translates to. What does sanctify mean? It means to set apart. Are we setting ourselves apart for the Lord's service? Or are we just coming together when the, when the doors are open of the church building to, to feel better? Our service to God is a way of life. Setting ourselves apart for serving Him. That is what our command is. So that as we look to the Lord and we lean on Him, not on our own understanding, but on His gives us an opportunity to learn and to grow and to show others just what Jesus does for us and what His purpose is. The purpose and intent of Jesus was to redeem creation back to what the Lord God had originally ordained before the fall of man. And the encouragement here that we find in 1 Peter chapter 3 That we can't be saved or delivered out of our own doings, but it's through Jesus that that happens. And as we have committed to serving Him, showing that to all men. One of the things that a dear friend of mine said recently was, did you notice when you read the scripture that Jesus didn't, didn't make people come to Him? He went to them when He preached and He taught. He didn't sit and wait for people to come to him. He went to them. We can't wait for folks to come to us to find out about Jesus. We need to bring Jesus to them. We can't do that by sitting on a pearl hoarding up treasure for ourselves but we share that willingly one question we, we should ask ourselves not to cheapen the statement but what would Jesus have us do scripture is very plain to see that what Jesus would have us do we're not to sit on what he has provided for us but to share it with all men. That is the commission. That is our directive from God. So that all men can see Christ within us, the hope of glory. Thank you for your kind attention and